This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Cannabisradio.com proudly presents Grassroots Marketing. Each episode curates thought-provoking dialogue with an exclusive class of thought leaders who will offer high-end roundtable business strategies and solutions that seek to prune and harvest great ideas in each 30-minute episode. Thought leaders in the cannabis industry convene here to share some of their best practices and protocols. Let's chart the growth of this burgeoning industry, one of the world's premier cash crops, right now on Grassroots Marketing. Back with more Grassroots Marketing and our coverage of the MJ Business Conference for 2021 being held at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Website is mjbizconference.com. Learn about thousands of exhibitors, lots of great speakers. Dream on John will be keynoting this year. Go ahead and check the website out, mjbizconference.com. And make sure you see our folks of Cannabis Radio. You'll see them on site. And with that said, we're ready to go ahead and bring on our next guest. He is the founder and president of Napro Research, LLC, Dr. Martin Lewis. Doctor, thanks for being on with us. Hey, Brasco. Thanks for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Somebody's been listening to radio for a long time. Uh, so real quickly, I want to go ask you about what work you've been putting out there as of late. Now, this has been a study you've talked about back in 2018, a medical study that you did. In partnership with Biotech Institute, you focus on the targeted breeding of cannabis cultivars with proven therapeutic properties. And together, you've patented and awarded you have patented and award-winning chemovars, and you've co-authored pharmacological, pharmacological foundations with uh, of cannabis chemovars with Dr. Ethan Russo, who we are also very familiar with here on the network, uh, as a critical foundation for further research. The need to look at cannabis beyond THC. Well, first of all, before we get into some of the points that you made in the study, we've been seeing much more uh, molecular breaking down of what's going on within the plant and now we're starting to hear things where we have different components we have now delta 8 delta 9 delta 10 thco 
and HHC and a number of other molecular structures that are being trying to put in the market that could also be sold outside of a dispensary and doesn't have to be under the Schedule One drug classification that cannabis is. What can you tell me about what you're learning so far? You know, even since you put that study out, the idea that we're seeing so many different variations of THC being put to market without it being regulated. Well, I'm sure the FDA uh, would have a different perspective on that. Those last uh, words you spoke, but um, we, since the early days, I mean, that, one of the reasons that NAPRO got started was because the the deficit there's a deficiency in the laboratory testing uh, not only in California but really globally there was a lack of even methodology of how to test um, plants or you know oils for their um, individual chemical constituents and one of the first people that reached out to us was um, Joel Gold from Tetra Labs to uh, identify what a bunch of noise was at the end of um, some of the chromatograms because there wasn't, um, you know, enough chemical acumen amongst other laboratories to be able to, you know, isolate and identify compounds. So we've known about the byproducts of distillation and, you know, which are like Delta eight and CBN and things like that. And um, our, our founding fathers of NAPRO had a real strong organic chemistry background. So, you know, we've done acid cyclization of CBDA to TH, Delta-8 THCA just to, as an experiment to figure out what happens if potentially if you eat the acidic form of uh, CBDA, you know, CBD and it, and it gets converted in the stomach. But we kind of found that it doesn't get converted into Delta-9, it gets converted to Delta-8. And that's kind of the methodology that they're, that a lot of folks are using and, um, it, it's a, it resembles in a lot of ways the designer drug industry of the 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 90s from, you know where you have the the DEA chasing a single compound and they make a single modification of that compound it's no longer that compound it's 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 compound one plus you know so it's kind of like a cat and mouse game um but i reckon when you look at these things and in our perspective is that we have a long history with Delta-9. It's produced by the plant, and we know it's safe. We don't know what's safe when you start looking at the um, other uh, modified compounds. I mean, we do know that the, that the compound in spice was very dangerous, right? The um, yeah. HU220 or whatever it was. Um, now, so I want to ask real quickly about the, the obstacles of research that you have right now. And what you're able to do, given uh, the chance to go and be able to sample, the chance to be able to go ahead and, you know, do the kind of research that needs to be done in order to go ahead and counteract any arguments that the FDA or other government entities might need or what the general public needs to realize the benefits of cannabis so that it will further accelerate the need for legalization that legalization should have happened a long time ago. And that now there's such a normal, we see how many states are now accessing, you know, they either have medical or adult use now these days. It's the supermajority. At this time, the only thing that's being held back is, is you know, your public service, your policymakers deciding not to go and pull the trigger. But the bills are there. The research is there. But then even then, the research that's being allowed, you know, 
to go ahead and prove the point, there's still a lot of factors of you know companies and, and organizations and corporations, big pharma I would imagine, they don't want to see cannabis go ahead and full, go forward. Right. So the biggest obstacle for research is that the researchers don't have access to the Biotech Institute cannabis library. Um, it's the most chemically diverse library in the world. I mean, there's they have cultivars that are, you know, CBDV dominant, every terpene profile you could want, CBCA dominant, you know, it, it it's amazing because you look at the NIH and the cannabis that they provide to researchers, it's all like a single note. It's either THC or CBD. They don't really dig into the terpenes or any of the other, you know, whether it's a low molecular weight volatile or a, you know, a, a triterp, uh, all they have a single note. So when you do a study, they're looking at THC versus THC. They're not looking at a tailored designed bread for a purpose type of chemovar that would be, you know, maybe one of one to one with a, high pinene and caryophylline contribution to give you some sort of uh, stimulation for a, a workout or, you know, um, pain relief. Uh, whereas they're using mostly THC cultivars and they need to, you know, um, create a better variety of what they're doing the research with. That's the biggest problem from that perspective. The other problem is, is funding. Um, you have this arbitrary kind of if if it's less than 0.3 percent thc it's hemp but really that's meaningless because i mean you can you, i mean you have to realize that if you you interbreed these plants they're all cannabis sativa l whether it's hemp or high thc and given that fact you're absolutely right with the, the therapeutic aspect of things you know whether it's legal or recreational or medical it's all therapeutic it's it's yep. it's people use it for a reason you know a couple of points i want to bring out here that uh as we were getting prepped for the for this interview uh, a few points were being made uh by your team first of all at cannabis products and dispensary shelves reflect more what broker, growers bring to the marketplace than what customers would enjoy and benefit the most the fact that there's over 100 cannabinoids and at least 150 terpenes packed into the species so much potential beyond extreme intoxication it's time to open up the genome and disrupt the market obsession with THC. And targeting breeding now allows for controlled whole plant cannabis research in a way that was never before possible. I want you to go and just take a, take a minute or two just to briefly go and take on those points. There's a lot to unpack there, but you know, as you have commercial growers moving from Gerber daisies or you know, um, other potted plants, uh, in poinsettias, for example, into cannabis, they're used to planting a seed and growing a, a product and that has to look a certain way and they can sell it to, you know, Whole Foods or Home Depot or whatever. So you have this mentality of what is the pushing factor? What sells cannabis to a, a commercial grower? And right now, brands and store shelves are totally looking at the THC content. So the growers really don't care about the flavor, the aroma. They just want it to be mid-20s and THC so they can sell it. And that goes downstream through distribution into the marketing brands and then onto the shelf. And, you know, a hundred years ago when we were you know, smuggling jars of moonshine from state to state, 
we wanted it to be very concentrated because you know it's a risk reward balance we didn't want to age it in barrels because the police have come and you know bashing our barrels but in our market today it's kind of we're, we're holding on to that mentality of ooh, it's a high number it must be better because you got the commercial growers pushing in whereas your hillside growers and the ogs and the market you know myself included we like that oily delicious aromatic it's it's an experience it's like smoking a fine cigar drinking a wine it's not like taking a shot of a vodka or, or everclear so i'm hoping that the market will mature we brought with the help of sc labs have introduced something called the phytofax it's a report format that reflects the terpenes as color-coded bars that are intuitive where pinene's green limonene's yellow and um, sync that up so that warm colors are the sativa-like terpene effects and the cool colors or the indica-like effects. And this was developed not only to manage supply chains and push breeding programs, but to help consumers make purchase decisions because the name game is a big problem everywhere. You know, what starts off as Blue Dream in California, we used to joke years ago, would be OG Kush by the time it got to Colorado and white runts by the time it got to the east coast because no one knows what is what outside of california back in the day with the phytofax you have this three bar color pattern recognition that essentially eliminates the name game so the dominant three terpenes are a certain color that's the major contribution for the aroma and the terpene effect so it's a real nice consumer tool which has translated to different menu types in several California dispensaries where they're sorting their menu by terpene, dominant terpene instead of indica, sativa, and hybrid, which dominant terpene actually kind of plays into that old, old cultural knowledge as well, where your limonene and your terpene lean are more sativa-like and your myrcene and your, your karyo are more a little more um, indica-like. I want to bring something real quick. When it comes to phytofax, I know we haven't had a lot of time to go and talk about this, but I know that's something that you definitely have been very, uh, the, the fact of this proprietary data visualization tool, which we talked about in our MJ Biz conference coverage with the folks at SE Labs who have licensed this tool. So we got a chance to really go pretty in depth into that. And I would recommend people to listen to my interview with Josh Werzer and Alec Dixon over at SE Labs that specifically talked about their experience working with phytofax and how it's being used uh, out there quite a bit and in terms of, of craft cannabis in, can uh, in general, which is from doing a lot of in interviews here and on the Blunt Business Program that I also host, learning about the idea of craft cannabis, the idea of how you might think of craft beers. But I want to take something that came from an article from Analytical Cannabis that you and Gary Hiller both co-wrote about the fact of, of craft cannabis and targeted breeding in general, the last point I made mention of. I want to just take a quote real quick from this uh, article. The premise for improving the user experience was simple. Have fun, even at full speed, but without any of the baggage often present when THC levels are increased to the exclusion of other compounds. Flamer, flavor, aroma, and experience had to be fantastic. By analogy, most cannabis is a single note, so we set out to write a symphony within a single plant. I love the way you say that. A formidable task, but creating new and unique chemistries is never easy. And then the result was a set of hybrids that contain respective ratios of THC to CBD 
as well as a rainbow of terpene bouquets that gave rise to aromas, as well as aromas that were indistinguishable from the marketplace favorite THC-only cultivars. Yeah, so again, it's a lot to unpack because the human brain is only capable of so many dimensions. So when you start adding <clears throat> CBD into the THC mix, people kind of get glazed over, but then you start laying terpenes on top of it, um, it, it people get lost. But the idea here is that there are hemp cultivars that test at full maturity, less than 0.3% THC that are indistinguishable from OG Kush, cookies, all the dessert lines, Jack, whatever, because the terpene flavor and aroma is one trait that you, know, you isolate out and then you can put it with any cannabinoid profile and, and vice versa. So that was like the first mapping that was done way back, you know, damn near 10 years ago now. Wow. The, the more, awesome stuff is where you start creating terpene cassettes and noses that do not exist in the marketplace. And uh, we have successively helped Molecular Farms do this over and over again in the THC market. They've won most unique terpene profile at the Emerald Cup um, pretty much every year, I think every year since they've had that category, because we, we looked at all of the plants and flowers across the country, looked at the data and we're like, wow, there isn't one that's pinene, limonene, and beta-carophylline dominant. Let's create that. And you create that and it smells like Sprite. I mean, and the goal is to create unique chemistries because one day, really soon, brands, MSOs, they're going to need to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. And to do that, you're going to need unique products that have great flavor, great aroma, and, and great experiences. And you look at the dessert strains or whatever, they're all beta-caryophylline dominant with a little bit of limonene and those two kind of, you know, bouncing back and forth and high THC. That's it. Like, okay, cool. So once you've smoked runs, you've smoked cookies, you smoke lava cake, you smoke Sunday driver, they're all that chemistry. And it's the chemistry that dictates the effect. So when you're looking to differentiate yourself in a marketplace, you want something that everyone can smoke, not just the, 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 the really high THC people. You want something everyone can smoke, everyone can get high, have a great time and not be like, oh, where's my keys or, or feeling badly because you thought you're rude to the cashier at the grocery store. You look for a nice one-to-one -one with the terpene profile that you're attracted to based on smell and aroma and if it's smooth and delicious and you have a nice time, you're going to come back to it. But if you take a few hits off of a high THC cultivar and you're not a everyday smoker, you might have a panic attack. You might, you know, call in 911 and think you're dead like the police officer on the brownies. It happens to people. And, and the idea with creating cultivars that are a little not, you know, that don't get you weird instead they give you a really good time is to open the market up to the other 90% of people who aren't using the product. And a lot of those people aren't using the product out of fear and potential, you know, adverse or side effects of high THC. So if you can mitigate those, boom, you know, you just open the market hundred X from what currently is. Dr. Lewis, I'm so, yeah, I, I feel horrible that we have not gotten you on the air yet. I don't know if we had you on Cannabis Radio yet. I know we've had Dr. Russo on, but I, I'm trying to think if we have had you on before, but it was just the opportunity just didn't get a chance to arise since you came on. But 
I'm glad we had you on today. I want to get you back on again really soon to give you more time to go ahead and give you. You don't have to worry about unpacking, you know, really some loaded questions I gave you. And there's only so much I feel like I can give you to a certain threshold about talking about the issue of craft cannabis, the issue of targeted breeding, the issue of opening up the exposure to people to go ahead and understand there's so much more to the plant to really appreciate and so many other different components, compounds, profiles that are there. And that, you know, some people are even saying, you know, these things that the word terpenes or indica or sativas, that those words are kind of, they don't really fit the certain model of where cannabis is going today and how people are going to be consuming it or buying it or, you know, taking it on in the future that it's going to be much more, there's a lot more complexities that we need to understand and that we need to research, we need to understand, and we need to learn more about. And I appreciate what you're doing there. And with the people that you've been working around, you guys, you've been working with a real great circle of people. And I really appreciate you taking time out. I'd like to get you back on Cannabis Radio, and I hope to do that pretty soon. Again, been joined by Mark Lewis of Napro Research. Give me the website real quick, and please let me know how people can go, go ahead and continue to go ahead and follow along the journey of what you're working on in your research. Yeah, well, it's uh, www.naproresearch.com. That's N-A-P-R-O research.com. Um, you can, you know, follow us on LinkedIn. You know, um, we we we're, we keep in the shadows. We work in the cave. We're where the rubber meets the road on the research side. Instead of being out there um, promoting something, we like to get things done and help our partners differentiate themselves in the marketplace. And it's been proven over and over again. You want the best cannabis genetics in the game. You know, reach out to us for. You want the most unique genetics in the game. Reach out to us. THCV, CB, whatever you want. Biotech Institute has the most diverse genetic library in the world. It's 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 been a it's been a blessing to get to be a guinea pig for all of these different chemistries because that's kind of all I've had to do for the past ten years really is smoke the best weed in the world and write about how it makes me feel and figure out how to make it focus in on that feeling even more whether it's inspiration or you know pain relief or you know just in general euphoria it's just been like that's what everyone wants to do right smoke the best weed in the world and talk yep. about it and, and and just a captain's chair for that let's just say fantastic dr martin lewis thanks for being with us here on cannabis radio really glad to have you The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.